Welcome to So Dead, a podcast where we dig up the dirt so you don't have to. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, Deadheads. Did you miss us? We missed you. Hmm. So we've got a good one for you guys today. That's right. Today we're going to talk about a haunted park in Bath, Michigan, which has a tragic history. I think all of Bath is haunted. Uh, didn't we already do that like way back in episode five when mm-hmm. we talked about the Bath school bombing and the haunted memorial park? Yes, but this is a different haunted park in Bath. Um, but we've actually talked about this park before too. Have we? We have. Let's talk about it some more. We're going to talk about Pregoras Park. Pregoras Park. Pregoras Park is located between Webster and Nichols Road in Bath, Michigan which we've said before is about 12 miles northeast of Lansing. There are four small lakes within the park and some thick wooded areas as well. It's named after Angel Pregoras, who donated the land to the city of Lansing in 1958 with the intention of protecting it from development. To the city of Lansing? Mm -hmm. And then we gave it to Bath. Yeah. Okay. Interesting, right? Weird. The city eventually sold off the land, and the Eyed Company bought a portion of it and built, I believe, apartments. Okay. And then Bengal, is it Bengal or Benjil? I think it's Bengal. Bengal Wildlife Center built an educational center on another portion of it. Okay. Um, There were many plans throughout the years to make it a camping site, a public pool, and just a great recreational area, but those never came to to fruition. Okay. Um, It was well known for the dirt bike racing and mud racing adventures had by local youth. Fun. Uh Uh-huh. It became known as an unofficial junkyard, a place where people would dump their unwanted items. I hate when people do that. I do too. But like, not just like trash bags, but like cars that don't work. Couches. Couches. Drop your couches off in East Lansing. They'll take care of them. Right. They'll set them right on fire. Do you ever drive by like, or like drive down like country roads and there's a mattress just yeah, on the side? Yeah, I live in the country. So I yeah. see that all the time and it pisses me off. <laughs> what were you thinking? What made you think that was okay? Oh, right. here's a cute little dirt road with a bunch of trees and farmland. I can't find a store to pick up my Let bed. Let me dump off this mattress that I pissed on. Right. Like, what in the world? <laughs> when we got new beds, we were like, what are we going to do with our old ones? And I told Dave, I was like, well, Edgar Road in Mason, people are always dumping their beds on that road. Let's just go dump it there. I was totally kidding. And we do not do that. Do that but Only assholes It was do only that. joking. Yeah. yeah. But I, <laughs> we see it all the time. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also became known as a place where people would, um, dump other things as well. Mm. Not just. Don't like that. Their possessions. Um, over the years, Pregoras Park has earned a reputation as one of the most haunted parks in mid-Michigan. To find out more about this, I reached out to our friends over at Afterlife Road who actually suggested that we do an episode on Pregoras Park. Yes. So thanks for the suggestion, guys. Thank you, guys. Um, Afterlife Road has filmed two short videos documenting their paranormal investigations in the park. In their most recent visit, they took with them world-renowned psychic Kat Ryan. Kat made several comments about feeling like she was being hunted. Mm. Um, At one point, she saw a man peek around her car and asked what they were doing there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a real man. 
Not a real a man. paranormal man. Yeah. And this is while she was waiting for them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She said she had ended up meeting them somewhere else. Because she was uncomfortable. Because she was so uncomfortable. And somebody who sees dead people to be uncomfortable, you know the levels. Yeah. Are she's gone to some spooky places with me. So, right. Right. For sure. Two of the afterlife road team members have also felt extremely uncomfortable in the park and had experiences that they're not even comfortable sharing with the public. Wow. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they involve like... It, to share them, they'd have to reveal like a personal maybe thing, and they don't want to do possible, that. Maybe, yeah, yeah, they, they just absolutely won't do it. Weird. Um, I spoke with Ben from the team, and he said that before they even heard of Pregoras Park, they were actually out one night visiting a different location in Bath. Maybe the Bath School bombing site. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the spot. Um, but things happened with their car, and they were forced to call an Uber. So their car, like quit working because so they say haunted places take all of the energy yeah. so interesting that's right? very common mm-hmm. so through conversation with the uber driver they learned that he was a spirit mapper what's a spirit mapper meaning he travels michigan mapping out demonic hot spots oh i did not know this was a thing is that what i do am i a spirit mapper i, I mean no because it's not demonic oh that's true it's just weird right gotcha i mean that this is the how part you, where I just go, ooh. How do you know what's a demonic hotspot? I don't know. Do you have like a sonar radar? Is it light, like a, a special color? Red? Dark red. I don't Blood know. red. We could look it up. We There's should. a couple people that do that, I think. But I'm yeah. little, like that makes me just a tad bit nervous. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but he told them that... The town of Bath was on the map, but very weak in demonic activity. That's good to know. So he was okay with dropping them off there, just as long as they promised never to go to Pregoras Park. (gasps) Really? At the time, they'd never heard of the park. And as Ben said, when you tell me not to go somewhere because of activity, I'm going there. Right. No shit. That's the best way to get my interest peaked. Right. Right. Is to say, stay away from this place. Right. I'm going. That's exactly what I would do, too. You tell me no, and I say, yeah. <laughs> um, so they actually ended up getting lunch with the driver to talk more about the demonic hotspots. He prayed for them and warned them again to never go to Pregoras Park. Weird. Like, that would be so... Like, that sounds like something out of a scary movie. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, during the filming their, of their first visit there... They brought out with them the spirit box, which is essentially a voice recorder that can pick up the voices of spirits through white noise. You have a spirit box. I don't have a spirit box, you but don't. I'm getting one. <gasps> I've used them before. I am addicted to the BuzzFeed Unsolved uh-huh. shows with uh, Ryan and yeah, Shane. Yeah, I've seen a couple. And they use spirit box. Uh-huh. And he, like, like they get really annoyed with it. Because it is loud. Yes. But I am like, keep it on. Keep it on. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just want to keep used watching it before. With it. The thing about it, so the way that they work, they use the white noise, but basically it's a radio, mm-hmm. um, but it skips radio stations like every half a second or okay. something like that. So you are going to hear things on it, but what you should hear is like, it, uh, it, uh, it sounds, you sound right. like a, you sound like Mork from Mork and Mindy, right? Right. Um, if you, so if you hear anything like a full word, 
that's carried across both stations. So if you're just hearing it, uh, he, she, it, they, like that's nothing. Right. But if you hear someone say, I'm watching you, that took longer than half a second to say. So that mm-hmm. carried across multiple stations. So that's not coming from the radio waves. Right. That's coming from something else. That's how those work. So yeah, I've used them. I don't have my own, but I am getting one soon. That's like the movie White Noise. Yes. That always scared me. Mm-hmm. But did you notice they used two men in a truck boxes in that movie? Which I is sure Lansing did not based. notice mm. that. They did. Anyway. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. Um, so some of the things that were picked up on the spirit box are get out of here. See, now that takes longer than a half a second mm-hmm. to say. So we're lost. Mm. They did this to me. <gasps> Everyone else is dead. Oh, my. Yeah, that shit's scary. Yeah. They also heard footsteps while while they were out there. Not their own. Not their own, but like footsteps of somebody that wasn't physically Human. there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, not an animal either. Yeah. You know, because if you're in a heavily wooded area, you would expect there to be like deer or yeah. especially in Michigan. Coyotes. In Jesus Bath. They've got cougars in Bath. Yes, they of do. Of the animal nature even. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Good one. Dave's not listening because he did not giggle at that. That's okay, Dave. It was funny. I it was liked funny. It. You'll like it when you're listening later. <laughs> I read a couple of forums online about locals who have had experiences there as well. Um, someone claimed that there are nine spirits there. Mm. Some are demonic, which would go in line with what the spirit mapper said. Yeah. Um, most of the claims, though, were from people who lived in houses near the park. They claim that they have seen shadowy figures, objects would move on their own, and feelings of evil lurking in the shadows. Weird. It's creepy. Yeah. We've got to go there. I know. I've been to Bath many, many a time, and I have always felt peace. So I was I don't, just I don't in know. Bath last night, but I did not go to Pergoris Park. Mm. But we need Maybe to go check different. it out someday. Yeah. We did have plans to go there, but then... Life is a thing. Yeah. Anyway. That's my new quote. I'm going to put that above my door. Life is a thing. I think that's a Because <laughs> sometimes thing. that's just all you can say. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, most people will not go into great detail of their experiences out of fear, but claim they have had them nonetheless. Hmm. That's kind of creepy, right? Yeah. So why is Pregoras Park haunted? Well, it's got some pretty dark history. If you remember back in our very first episode, we talked about serial killer Donald Eugene Miller. Danny. Danny boy. Um, his first victim was his former fiance, Martha Sue Young, who had gone out with him on New Year's Eve in 1977. Miller had stated that he returned home that night, but sorry, no, that's not what he said. He returned her home. That night. And then he returned home that night. And then he went home. He said that later. He just said something else first. Right. (laughs) Right. So he had taken Martha Sue Young home that night, and she had never been seen alive again. But on October 20th in 1978, so just 10 months later, um, pheasant hunters found Martha Sue Young's clothes in a field in Pregoras Park. Oh, no. They had been neatly laid out as if she had evaporated into thin air. Right. And that was with like her underwear inside the pants, her bra inside the shirt. So laid out exactly the way she would have been wearing them. Yeah. Just her body wasn't there. I remember that detail. That was really creepy. Me too. Just because of the creep factor. Yeah. It wasn't like Like a bundled pile of clothes. It was 
Right, like you meticulously did yeah. that, you weirdo. Well, yeah, uh-huh. he was a weirdo. And then later after Donald Eugene Miller was arrested, he made a deal with the DA. He would lead investigators to Martha Sue's body in exchange for a lighter sentence. Her remains were found in 1979 in a heavily wooded area in Pregoras Park. Yikes. Not far from where her clothes had been found a, the year earlier. Um, so Pregoras Park was the dumping ground of a serial killer. If that's not a cause for bad juju, I don't know what is. Well, that's not even the worst thing to ever happen in Pregoras Park. That's terrible. Terrifying, isn't it? Mm-hmm. On June 10th, 1976, two teenage girls spent a long weekend camping at Pregoras Park to celebrate the end of the school year. Best friends Maureen Nichols, who was 17, and Stacy Roast, who was 16, were classmates at Charlotte High School. They'd planned the camping trip with several friends, but for one reason or another, all of their friends backed out, and it wound up being just the two of them. Um, Most likely, these other kids' parents wouldn't let them go um, because the parents of the girls later said that they didn't have any idea that that was where they were going camping. So Pregoras Park must have had quite the reputation at the time. Um, It was common for teenagers to have big parties and bonfires at the park as it went mostly unpatrolled by police. So there it is. It was known as a party spot. Parents didn't let their kids go there. So the girls set up camp, two pup tents, and spent the weekend partying with random groups of their peers. Some people they knew, some people they didn't. Uh, The girls were last seen about 2 a.m. on Sunday, June 13th, by a group of partygoers getting ready to head back to their camp and go to bed. A friend was picking them up around noon on Sunday to take them home. But when that friend, Kim Canfield, arrived to pick the girls up around noon, uh, she found their campsite abandoned and disheveled. One of the tents was damaged, and most of the girls' camp gear and personal items had been left behind, including Maureen's shoes. Maureen had recently had foot surgery and couldn't walk without shoes on, so she had, like, you know, lacerations on the bottoms Mm -hmm. of her feet. She's not walking around the woods barefoot. Right. Um. Kim searched for her friends for four hours on her own before calling mm. police. And that makes me nervous because this is another teenage girl. There's two mm-hmm. teenage girls that are missing now. And now there's a third one in the park by herself for four right. hours. That makes right. me nervous. A massive search was held at the 240-acre park involving police from several agencies, tracking dogs, a helicopter, and over 300 volunteers that walked the swampy woods shoulder to shoulder for days. After three days of intense searching, the search was called off, but the investigation continued. There was no sign of Maureen and Stacy. There were no leads into their disappearance. Police theorized that they were runaways who left the park willingly, because that was always the easy answer. Mm -hmm. Um, Their families prayed that was true, but they didn't believe it, especially since one of the girls' wallets was found at the scene with just $5 in it. That was all the money the girls had in the world. Uh, between the two of them. So they weren't going to leave the money behind if right. they took off. Remember when $5 was a lot? Yeah, you could get gas for $5. You could like fill up half a tank almost. <laughs> Not anymore. No. Um, whether by choice or by force, Maureen and Stacy were just gone. And then on June 29th, just over two weeks after the girls disappeared, farmer Claude Underhill of Langsburg was plowing some land he owned near the intersection of Jason and Shepherdsville Roads, when he found the badly decomposed body of a teenage girl in a wooded area right near the border of the newly opened Sleepy Hollow State Park. Mm -hmm. Side note, 
Blood Cemetery, which we've talked about before, is on Jason Road in Langsburg. Mm-hmm. That's a big road, so it mm-hmm. might not have been right nearby, but it road. is the same road. Um, the body was found about eight miles from Pragoras Park, where the girls were last seen. The degree of decomposition made the body impossible to identify by sight, but police said at the time that they would be surprised if it wasn't one of the girls. Oh, we only know about two, so if this is someone else, we've got real problems, right? But they were runaways. Right. While authorities combed every inch of Sleepy Hollow State Park and the surrounding area looking for a second body, dental records were used to confirm that the body found belonged to 17-year-old Maureen Nichols. Mm. She'd been stabbed at least nine times. Mm. Officials were unable to determine whether she'd been sexually assaulted. As Maureen's family prepared to lay her to rest, Stacy's family accepted that her fate was likely the same as her friend's. Maureen was buried in Maple Hill Cemetery in Charlotte. Nearly two months after the girls disappeared, on August 11, 1976, police were called to a home on Hunter Road in Bath Township around noon. The homeowner, a man by the name of Paul Risk, told the 911 operator that his dog had brought what he believed might be a human bone onto the porch. But this wasn't like a rib bone or a femur bone. It was a human fucking skull. Oh, God. Tracking dogs were called in from the Ionia police post, and at about 5.15 p.m., they found the skeletal remains of Stacy Roast 250 yards from the Risk home Mm. and about four miles from where Maureen's body was found several weeks earlier. Stacy was also identified through dental records, but also by the class ring that she was still wearing when she was found. Whoa. She had also been stabbed multiple times. She was buried at Woodlawn Cemetery in Vermontville. So now police knew what happened to Maureen and Stacy, but they still didn't know why, and most importantly, they didn't know who killed them. Now, I'm going to take a quick pause um, because something occurred to me while I was working on this story. Mm-hmm. We hear all the time from older generations, not that we're a young generation anymore or anything, <laughs> um, but we hear all the time how much safer the world used to be. How everyone used to be able to leave their doors unlocked, everybody Mm -hmm. knew everybody, kids were free and safe to roam, blah, blah, blah. And to that I say, I think fucking not. (laughs) Um, Because we are still a relatively new podcast. This is what, episode 40? Mm -hmm. Right. And this is just local stories? Right. Not all of our episodes are about true crime. All of our stories are from Michigan, and most of them are focused specifically on mid-Michigan. So we've got a a pretty narrow field. I mean, we've left things ambiguous enough that we can branch out when we want to, Mm -hmm. but we operate within a pretty narrow field. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, we have already covered 15 local murders of young people from mid-Michigan that were killed in the 1970s. Fifteen. Yeah. That's almost half of our episodes that involve 1970s murders. Good grief. Let's recap them real quick. Do it. Okay. So immediately I'm a liar because the first one is from the 1960s, but it's close enough. It's the mm-hmm. same era. Um, 1967, 10-year-old Ronna Ray Cipher was kidnapped and murdered in Grand Ledge after walking to the corner store across the street to buy a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. In 1970, 15-year-old Stan Casey was kidnapped and murdered while walking home from a party in Lansing. Mm -hmm. And we haven't covered this on the podcast yet. Um, I do cover it on the tours, and I'm working on another project with this. But less than a month after Stan was killed, a teenage girl from Lansing was kidnapped from the gift shop she worked in downtown and later found murdered. Mm -hmm. 
Also in 1970, 20-year-old Norma Jean Bagby was kidnapped, raped, and murdered after accepting a ride from a stranger in Big Rapids. Mm -hmm. In 1973, 20-year-old Don Magier was kidnapped from an Owasso shopping center and murdered Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day. In 1974, 25-year-old Lee Fletcher and 19-year-old Debbie Henneman were murdered in Onstead after leaving a bar with a serial killer. Mm-hmm. In 1976, Maureen Nichols and Stacy Roast were kidnapped and murdered in Bath during a summer camping trip, as we are currently discussing. Mm-hmm. Between 1976 and 1977, four children were kidnapped and murdered by a still unidentified serial killer in Oakland County. 12-year-old Mark Stebbins, 12-year-old Jill Robinson, 10-year-old Christine Mihalik, and 11-year-old Timothy King. In 1977, 19-year-old Martha Sue Young was murdered by a serial killer after a night out babysitting in East Lansing, as we've also talked about today already. Mm -hmm. In 1978, 21-year-old Wendy Bush was murdered by that same serial killer after being seen with him walking on her college campus in East Lansing in broad daylight. Also in 1978, that same serial killer attacked 14-year-old Lisa Gilbert and her little brother Randy in their Lansing home after knocking on the door to ask for a pencil. And in 1979, 14-year-old Karen Oatley was murdered after going for a bike ride near her home in South Lansing. That gives me goosebumps when we, like, lump it all together. Could you Because we've never imagine? really talked about all of them I together. Know. It just hit me when I was doing the research mm-hmm. for this story. I was like, that is so fucked up. And I was like, and it's the 70s. Mm-hmm. Again. So I went through all of our episodes and put it all together. Could you even imagine that's that today? just what we've covered. Right. That's just what we've covered just in our local area. Ugh. Could you even imagine that being the news cycle today? No. So, Yeah. Um, there are so many more though. Like you said, those are just Mm -hmm. the ones we've covered. So the next time someone tells you that this world used to be a safer place, you can tell them that they are full of shit. (laughs) Uh, So back to the Pregoras case, it is still unsolved. In an article in 1976, it was announced that the residents of Bath had started a reward fund for information leading to the arrest of a suspect or suspects in the case. At the time the article was published, $617 had been raised. What? Yeah. For two people? For both girls. Mm-hmm. That makes me sick. I know it. In a May 1984 article, it was announced that the reward fund was being dissolved and that most of the $617 had already been refunded to donors, but the remaining 215 would be donated to a senior center what? if the original donors could not be located. What in the fuck? Why not give it to like a youth center? That makes me pretty angry, to be honest. Isn't that annoying? At the time, it was said that police knew who killed the girls, even Mm -hmm. though no arrests were ever made. In a 1989 article by Sue Nichols, it was announced that there were new leads in the case and detectives were hopefully nearing an arrest. Detective Sergeant Donald Brooks stated that two brothers, who he declined to name, had been the prime suspects since the very early days of the investigation and were still the prime suspects 13 years later. Since the Pregoras Park murders, one had been killed by police during a shootout in an unrelated case, and the other was in prison on rape charges with drug charges pending and a prison escape already under his belt. The detective said that one to three other suspects may be charged depending on the information that came in. Um, But despite Detective Brooks's optimism, no charges were ever filed, and the case remains unsolved to this day. But visitors to Pregoras Park claim something was left behind, and that the violence and anger 
and danger of that night can still be felt there at the park today. Yeah. Crazy, right? It's really sad. I know. I hate, I hate and love, I love that we cover unsolved and like the unpunished because I think those need a lot of light. But they're so frustrating. But they're so frustrating because it's just not justice for those poor victims, you know? Yeah. Ugh, it just makes me angry. I know. Makes me feel like a downer. Yeah. But they're important. They're yeah. important. Uh, so much. Yeah. <sighs> My sources for this episode, um, Lansing State Journal articles in December of 1978 by Bud Lang. He was the assigned reporter. I thought you were going to say Bud Light. Bud Light? Bud Lang. That would be a good name for a reporter. Everybody would read his stuff. That's like the actress Judith Light. If she just had a son and named him Bud, she should have done that. She should have, or Miller. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, videos from Afterlife Road on YouTube. We will link those on our website. Yep. And Ben from Afterlife Road and Medium Cat Ryan. Awesome. So I got my information from a series of Lansing State Journal articles by Mark Nixon, Sue Nichols. Dan Porman and Sheila Schimpf. Um, and then I also use the website Find a Grave, which I get good information from mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, most commonly, name spellings and date of births, because I will find yes. such inaccurate information in articles. It'll be spelled differently. The age will be different from article to article, and it's very frustrating. Yes. But I figure if someone paid thousands of dollars to have it inscribed in Slate Rock, mm-hmm. it's probably accurate. Yep. Um, so I use that for a lot of that type of information. Nice. That's yeah. a good sight. Um, and now it's file dump time. I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit. All right. Kind of. <laughs> it's not light to me. Um, this week we're going to talk about our favorite scary movies. Ooh, you want me to go first while you can try to think about the few scary movies you've seen? I have mine picked out. You do? Mm-hmm. What's it? What is it? What's the, it? <laughs> what's, what's it? What's it? <laughs> the Ring. The Ring? You mm-hmm. like The Ring? Because it scared me so bad. Actually, I would say The Exorcist was the scariest movie I'd ever seen. Probably because really? I was 12 when I saw it. I wasn't much older. And, and it I scarred it me so for funny. life. No. I wasn't in a good frame of mind to watch it. I had a friend spending the night and we were in eighth grade and we were super jaded and being, you know, <laughs> about mm-hmm. everything. Assholes. How, yeah. So it didn't scare me. We were just like, oh my God. I wonder if I watched it again now if I would feel different though. It scared me. Did it? I mean, I can't watch scary movies. I know. But The Ring is the most recent one that I've seen. I find it. That's how much I don't yeah. watch scary movies. I find it interesting that you picked two with like haunted little girls because you have a little girl. I hope I she but, creeps and you I the say, fuck out sometimes. Yeah, when she pops in my room at night and Amazing. standing over my bed. Amazing. I am always like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's why I like them is because the scare factor is there, yeah. even though I hate it. Yeah. It's like a love-hate thing. Anyway, what's yours? So I have a top three. Of course, because you watch all of them, I don't, weirdo. You know what? I don't. I don't watch – I don't like unnecessary gore. I don't either. I've never seen the Saw oh. movies. No. Nope. I've not watched the Rob Zombie movies. Like if it's just a gory movie and that's what the scare is, mm-hmm. no thank you. I like the psychological thrillers. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so. You weirdo. The Shining. Of course. Oh, my God. I love it. Come play with us, Danny. Uh-uh. Forever. 
and ever. I know I need to watch that. <laughs> I should watch it. Um, the Shining and then Halloween is one of my very favorites. I want to say that was probably my first and favorite. And who's the villain in that? Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because when people say Michael Myers, you I think used of to Mike get Myers. <laughs> with Wayne's World. I'd be like, he's not scary. And I think, quite honestly, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Halloween from the 70s, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but... I think for me, honestly, the scariest part is the very beginning when he's a little boy in a clown costume and he murders his teenage sister. Oh, like, Jesus. Yeah. That's the part. The rest of it, I'm just kind of like, eh, mm. But okay. that's my favorite part. Um, okay. And then Scream. I fucking oh, love Scream. That is a good Scream. one. It's that funny. That one never scared me. It's <laughs> so I went and saw it at the theater with my best friend, still my best friend, Trini. You know Trini. Uh-huh. And afterwards, we went and stopped at Quality Dairy because her dad told her she had to bring home milk. And so she was super creeped out, more so than I was. And we were standing at the back and um, at the store, you know, they've got – and this is, I think, true at most grocery stores. At the dairy section, mm-hmm. you open the cooler, but there's a whole room behind it for <laughs> yes. them to restock stuff. Right as she was reaching for the milk, there was someone on the other side of it, and he yelled to one of his coworkers. So he was just like, hey, are you going to whatever? And he yelled, and she screamed and dropped the milk. And, like, they were getting ready to close. It was probably 1130. They hated her. They were so – but it was their fault. That's so funny. You don't scream when you're standing right at the backside of the – display after somebody just when people can't see you oh my god that's really it was funny funny. but yeah that's one of my absolute favorite movies the whole scream quadruply what are those called when there's i was gonna say trilogy but there's four there's four yeah what is that called dave there's not it's it's a quadruply nothing it's a quadruply (laughs) you've deemed that the term i like it that's it now if it wasn't that that's it now All right. Well, thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at SoDeadPodcast. You can also find us online at SoDeadPodcast.com and email us your feedback and story ideas to SoDeadPodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks and now get out there and shine. Yeah, magnificent what the fucks.